Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Wednesday, December 9th. Before we get to our second edition of our Next Gen 2.0 series, breaking down the latest generation of young talent ascending their way up the ATP rankings, just want to remind all of you listeners that today's podcast is made possible by our friends at Midwest Sports and Aerobar. You know the deal. We want to look good. We want to feel good so that we play good on the court. Go to MidwestSports.com. Use the promo code. Code CR15. You'll get 15% off all of the best equipment in the tennis world. You'll also get free two day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. Best of all, a free can of Wilson tennis balls. You also go to aerobar.com. You'll get the only tennis specific energy bars in the business. More potassium than a banana. Delicious cinnamon, honey, oat, and chocolate chip flavors. Go to aerobar.com. Use that promo code CRACK30. And again, look good, feel good, play good. Midwest Sports Aerobar Cracked Rackets. Another quick reminder for those of you who want to learn more about the subject of today's Next Gen 2.0 podcast, Lorenzo Musetti, be sure to go check out our website, CrackRackets.com, where you can hear today's guest, David Gertler, and my thoughts expanded on in our, our in the article uh, we wrote about. We talk a little bit about the upside. We name our pro comparisons. Just go into a little bit more depth, of course, as well in the podcast, but you can read more in that article on the website, CrackRackets.com. Of course, while you're there, you can find our latest Great Shot podcast. Podcast, our newest college contender. Uh, this week, we're talking about number six TCU. You can find uh, Judson Wall's latest article breaking down the action on the ATP Challenger ITF Tour. So much more. So be sure to go check out the website, crackrackets.com. But with that in mind, let's get to our next edition of Next Gen 2.0, where again, we break down the prospects of one of the 21 and under players working their way up the ATP rankings. As I mentioned, today we're talking about Lorenzo Musetti, the young Italian who really took both the challenger and pro tour by storm once the clay court portion of the year started had so much more success david gertler and i our newest cracked rackets contributor break down that success we talk about his upside the things he needs to work on and in his game his pro comparisons and so much more so without further ado let's get to our conversations about lorenzo musetti Joining us on today's podcast to continue our next-gen ATP 2.0 series, breaking down the newest young faces emerging on the ATP Tour. You know him as our newest writer here at Crack Rackets. I am sure, of course, you are one of his many followers on Tennis Twitter. We are so thrilled to be joined once again by David Gertler. David, welcome back to the show. How are you doing today? Doing okay. Uh, Hanging in there. And it's another day in paradise, right? I feel like that's the answer. At least we still have some challenger tennis going it's on. All... Yeah, well, for a little while longer. Not too much. <laughs> on. I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Exactly. We'll all have to figure it out. I mean, the jumping to the YouTube, it's like, all right, who's got the best challenger tennis? Who's going to get the rights to these videos removed quickest? Hopefully, uh, we'll have plenty of film available so we can all reflect on Did the you... 2020 season, rewatch our favorite matches. Yeah, I saw YouTube TV today. Got rid of Tennis Channel. That was a little upsetting. Uh, so this podcast will be released probably uh, like a week or so after that decision happened, but... Yeah, not great. Not great for all of us young people. Not great for the next-gen TV watchers 2.0, who all turn to YouTube TV for our (laughs) TV needs. Certainly something. uh, Hopefully, we'll see that decision changed. Hopefully, we'll see something worked out. I mean, look, uh, we're part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I believe in everything Tennis Channel is doing. I also believe more people have YouTube TV than cable. I think if you—I mean, not—I don't think more people currently have it. I bet if you looked at the growth rates of both cable buyers and YouTube TV subscribers, uh, the YouTube TV subscriber growth rate is significantly higher. But yeah, I agree. Uh, that is something. So one of the many topics we will be discussing this offseason. Yeah. But of course, we also want to take a look at these next-gen faces because we saw so many emerge at the end of this 2020 season. As I mentioned in our first episode, we're also at clearly a uh, special moment in tennis history where we see a generational shift occurring. Certainly, Djokovic, Nadal, Federer still have a grip on the majors in no No one's counting them out just yet, but it's also quite clear that the generation of Medvedev, Tsitsipas, Zverev, they've arrived. They are ready to establish themselves Mm -hmm. on tour. So 
so it is time to start looking to the future and thankfully we have so many fantastic players to look towards the player we are talking about today unequivocally one of the rising stars of that final three-month stretch of the 2020 season before we talk about him though Westoff, give me that next gen atp 2.0 sound effect please I was subtly hoping, David, that you would give me another boop or whatever it was oh, on I... the last episode. But, uh, yeah, you know, you can you can change it up every time. You're yeah. kaboom. <laughs> Perfect. Leave the kaboom in. But, of course, kaboom, it feels like a pretty fitting, actually, segue into the player we are talking about today. Because when you think about this player's game, you think about his ability to strike the ball. That is the word that comes to mind. Kaboom. A young player who can absolutely hit the cover off of the ball had so much success down the home stretch he goes 21 and mm-hmm. 8 from the time play restarted uh, in August through the end of the season now a lot of that success came at the challenger level but that's exactly what you want to see from an 18 year old making his ascension and that is what we saw from our top, uh, from the player we are going to discuss today young 18 year old Italian Lorenzo Musetti former world junior number one, clearly making his mark in the professional tennis world in 2020. He worked his way all the way up uh, to a new, I want to say career high uh, for uh, the young man. I'm I'm looking for where he is right now in the rankings. I believe he is at number 128. At 128 in the live rankings, 123 was the career high he reached this year. And look, at 18 years old, he is the youngest player inside the top 130. And look, if you expand that to the top 140, will you find Carlos Alcaraz? Yes, but sometimes you get to skew the stats in your favor. And for Lorenzo Musetti, he's got Alcaraz right behind him. But David, I mean... For our listeners who may not know about him, he has been one of those players you circle, right, as it's a matter of when, not if, he's going to make some sort of breakthrough on the Pro Tour? Absolutely, and I think even since last year, it's just been incredible to see the changes and the more aggressive style that he's shown uh, recently, um, which was in full display in Rome against uh, Nishikori and Wawrinka. Yeah, I mean, again, he was so good down the home stretch, and we're going to talk about that play, what we saw from him, the things we like most about his game, the things we need to improve for him to get to where we think he can go. Also, compare him to the rest of his next-gen peers, but let's just start with the general background, David, and again, all of our listeners can read more of your and my thoughts on Lorenzo Musetti by going to the article you wrote uh, on our website, CrackedRackets.com. Of course, I, being the leech that I am, uh, leeching off of... David's basic uh, platform and throwing a couple of my own thoughts on there as well. Uh, But let's just start with his junior career. Yeah, I appreciate that, David. Uh, His junior career, his pedigree, his background. uh, Why is Lorenzo Musetti someone who at 18 years old, tennis fans should already be aware of? Yes, I'll just start by talking about his game. One-handed backhand, incredibly beautiful. I think him, Federer, and then Ricardo Bonadio are the three best one-handed backhands. In terms of aesthetics, it's amazing to watch. Um, heavy topspin on both sides. He, In terms of his junior career, he had a runner-up at the U.S. Open against uh, Sabah Wild, um, where he was a set away from winning it. And then he won the 2019 Australian Open in that crazy third set tiebreak over Amelia Nava, which I remember watching on YouTube and just being like, wow, this is high tension. Yeah, and you you talk about those junior results. Look, he was a junior world number one. I believe he reached that ranking in June of 2019. And yeah, it, it's that's what comes when you reach back-to-back junior slams. That's a special thing. Now, there are plenty of one-off junior slam winners who did not go on to have top 50, even top 100 pro careers. But when you make them back-to-back, uh, that doesn't happen very frequently. It reminds me, you know, again, Tommy Paul makes two in one year. Taylor Fritz makes two in one year. Was that two in one year that he made? I think it was two in one year. Uh, you know, uh, the fact that you think of some of the guys who have done it in the past. Borna Chorich was so good in the juniors. Alex Zverev made multiple junior finals, uh, junior slam finals. Excuse me. When you have that degree of success in the juniors, that's the elite tier. Because, look, now, some of you may be thinking in your head, well, what about Philip Pillowo? 
who made, what was it, four finals? Mm -hmm. He made all four, lost the first two, won the next two. Yeah, I was wrong about him. I would have sold all, I would have, you know, placed all of my money in the bet that he was going to be a consistent top 100 player. But you just look at the things Lorenzo Musetti does. A, you just at the numbers at a basic level. And he only played eight junior matches on grass. He was six and two, but... 37 and 15 on hard courts, 55 and 19 on the clay. Both of his junior slam results came on hard courts, yet early on in his career uh, at the pro level, most of his success had come on clay. Uh, Those are two things I think to be really excited about, that his game clearly translates across the two most significant surfaces, with all due respect to grass and clay, or grass and carpet. (laughs) Yeah, and I think that it it definitely is noteworthy that they both came in hard courts, even though his I think his game is built for clay, but I think that he's done a great job, especially recently, of really adapting it so that he can be a threat on any surface. Maybe, well, maybe not grass yet, but I, I want to, again, we, without having seen the grass court season, it's really hard to see where these next-gen players are going to be, going to fit in on that surface. No, yeah, I'm looking in his career where he has even played any grass matches. Thus far, he has played, again, he played three junior events on the grass. He played Junior Wimbledon 2018. He made the quarterfinal wins over Surandolo, over Hugo Gaston, and then a three-set loss to Jack Draper. Uh, he also played Junior Roehampton that year in 2018, another loss to Jack Draper, but was a quarterfinalist there. Uh, his only other junior grass event came, or, or excuse me, those were the only two grass events he played. That's funny. I searched grass on his record. Juan Pablo Grassi Mazzucci is the other grass that it searched for. Uh, So he only played the two grass events. And, you know, again, in his pro career, he's so young, only 18 years old. In total in his pro career, uh, he's played about 107 matches, has yet to play a match on the grass. But, you know, 15 and 15 in hard court, uh, 50 and 27 on clay. Uh, you look at what he's done, his splits thus far, and these numbers come from Tennis Abstract. Again, it's the steady growth we saw. He played, you know, 17 and 17 in 2019 in challenger matches, 16 and 10 this year. I think it's crazy that he's already played 60 challenger-level matches by the age of 18. Can't emphasize enough how valuable I think that experience is. But, you know, you start to look at— at at the, at him and his pro results and I guess you know when was the moment you became aware of Lorenzo Musetti started to really consider him in the larger ATP picture well in the spring of 2019 he won a couple of rounds in Barletta and Francaville but I think it was really in Milan that year last year when he made the semifinals and beat a player that's really solid in Tarko Daniel um, that I really said huh this guy has a has a future and isn't going to flame out. Um, and you know, that loss in that, in the loss in that tournament to Hugo Delian, Delian's a really solid clay court player, especially last year. Um, so there's no shame in that at all. Mm-hmm. No, I, I he, completely, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No. And I just want I think this year, what was so great to see is that last is that aggressive mindset that he didn't necessarily have last year where he was just trying to focus on top spin. Yeah, and I think you look at for Lorenzo Musetti, you know, I always like to use this segment, when did you become aware of him, to plug my favorite writer, the most influential tennis person in my life, which of course, and I think you will relate to this, David, uh, is Colette Lewis, without question. I mean, at Zoo Tennis, mm-hmm. if you weren't reading that when you were growing up, if you were someone born in the 1990s, you just weren't, you probably weren't that into tennis to the <laughs> degree uh, that some of us super fans were, and if you were, you were reading about her because she is the best at covering the juniors. She her you know her she has her thumb on who are the next up and coming players who are the players we all need to be on the lookout for and in the in 2017 at the beginning of the year you look at the results uh, Musetti put forward uh, at the ITF level he starts the year off with a semifinal at a grade four uh, I believe that one came in Africa he then made a fine or he then won a grade four a uh, grade five the next week he follows that up by making a quarterfinal at the grade two in Florida in April made the final of the grade two in Italy at the start of May and just you know 
you don't have those sorts of results at the junior level without Colette no- Lewis noticing you. And if Colette Lewis notices you, you come to my attention. But to your point, I think it's impossible to look, you know, after yeah. the, the ending to 2018, he had the start to 2019, he had on the at the junior level. And then, of course, during that 2019 season, he goes ahead and wins the first two pro titles of his career back to back 15 Ks mm-hmm. in uh, in Turkey on the clay. That for me was when it's like, all right, if you're a 17 year old, you're having this junior slam success, and we talked about it with Davidovich Fokina, and then that junior slam success translates right away to the futures level. It means your success isn't a fluke. It does. It means you're not just some. You have some overwhelming physical trait yeah. in comparison to your junior peers. It means you've got the goods. Yeah, exactly. It it you know a lot. Of, there's a lot of successful juniors that don't make it like you said with um, but I think that once you're able to do that especially on the challenger tour it shows that you really have a future in tennis and he did it at such a young age exactly exactly I completely agree with you it's the fact that I mean he's even now he's only 18 yeah, and he's played 60 challenger matches already. I can't emphasize that enough. For Davidovich Fokina, you saw how significant that jump was for him in year three. Usually it's you spend the first year, you dabble in it a little bit. Then the second year, you know, you struggle. You make first rounds, second rounds, you go 500. Uh, for Musetti, what is so impressive is in 2019, and it has to be said, Part of this is a byproduct of getting wild cards. Part of this is a product of if you're the number one junior in the world, you're going to have opportunities that mm-hmm. other people ascending the rankings will not have. But he'd made the most of them. Like, you're never going to complain about a wild card going to the young junior who ends up winning the event or making, you know, the semifinals, the finals of the event. And you start to look at what Lorenzo Musetti was doing over his first, you know, what he's done, I should say, over his first almost 50 events in the pro tour. And it's an unequivocal success. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the wild cards are a whole nother issue. But, but the fact that he was able to do something that a negative connotation with him, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at all of these events and. You know, in April, uh, he had challenger in France, wild card. He beats uh, Kareem uh, Masum, and then he loses to Alexi Paparin. But then next week, uh, yeah, the next week in Italy, uh, another challenger, wild card. But he makes the third round there, you know, following week, another challenger. Italy, wild card, another third round for him. So it's not like he's going one and done. I'm... I'm not trying to throw someone under the bus because I do think this guy is a good player, but like Holger Rune <laughs> gets wild cards into these events now, and it's kind of like, what are we doing here? Like, he if he's just going to go one and one or zero oh and well, one at these challengers, he has it's a the waste. More but yeah, exactly. But like, you look for him again for Musetti, another wild card into the Milan 80k in June. He makes the semifinal of that event. Like, that is not a wasted wild card. That is us acknowledging the Italian Tennis Federation saying, "Hey, we've got this kid in the pipelines, and if we can just get him the playing opportunities." And again, wild cards are their own separate issue. But Lorenzo Musetti has made the most of his opportunities and. I think it's telling that, you know, he plays all of these challengers. He builds up his rankings. Then at the end of the year, he goes and plays a couple of 15Ks where he does not get wild cards, and he wins both events back-to-back. Yeah, so what's so important about Musetti winning those futures titles in October of last year was getting that experience at the pro level winning a title, and that's a big monkey off his back for sure, and... A lot of players need that validation, so it was great that he got that then. Uh, before he really, even at such a young age, what was he seventeen? He seventeen then to get that validation that he can compete at the pro level is amazing. Yeah, I mean we've talked about it a little bit, but you start to look at the pro results he's put forward in his career. I mean. We must have said this stat over and over again over these past couple of months between Musetti, Alcaraz, and Nakashima. They all joined the elite company of guys like Gasquet and Nadal and Alex Zverev and FAA, who won that degree. You know, who won a bunch of challengers at such a young age. And uh, Kei Nishikori, I think, is another guy who's often mm-hmm. in that conversation. Guys who just had so much success when they were so young, and you know the. 
the translation uh it, it just tra- you know i i don't I, when you look at that stat and i forget i know i'm missing a couple of guys but i just don't remember there being a single guy on the list of people who have won challenger titles before the age of 20 who just ended up being a complete flop who just ended up going nowhere that's just so that's just not the case and these guys are putting forward a degree of success at the challenger level these guys meaning Musetti, meaning carlos alcaraz meaning brandon nakashima that it just it's reminiscent of of, uh, the previous next-gen cohort of the Zverevs, the Medvedevs, mm-hmm. the Tsitsipasas, who obviously went on to have a high degree of success at ATP-level events. And so you look for, uh, you know, Lorenzo Musetti, we've talked about it at the Challengers, but what are the things about his pro results that jump out to you so much thus far? His pro results definitely in Rome. <laughs> Rome's the big one this year. Um the fact that he absolutely destroyed Barrinka in the first set was amazing, um, and was definitely like, wow, like this guy is six zero seven six. So that six zero is incredible. He beat Nishikori, then he followed it up with that win over Nishikori. You know, it's not always about that upset, but it's about the match after the upset that's most impressive. So for me, that was even more impressive than the Barrinka win. Um, then he had that win in Forley over Montero for his first challenger, which was incredible that he he continued that form. Then he made the semifinals of Sardinia a couple tournaments later. Unfortunately, had to retire there, but he still beat Cuevas and Hampton. And then his season kind of tailed off from there, but it's a lot of tennis for someone so young. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, look, I mean, for Lorenzo Musetti, the fact that, you know, to beat Francis Tiafo uh, in that second round match in Forley when he goes on to win the title, Francis Tiafo was playing really, really well mm-hmm. down the home stretch of 2020. Francis Tiafo was clearly a top 75, maybe even top 50 player, and Musetti, you know, beats him in three sets in a really good match. And the common theme for Lorenzo Musetti down the home stretch, just how effective he was with his first serve. I mean, you look at the matches he played in every match he played since the restart in August of, uh, in, since the restart in August, 2020, you just look at uh, his win percentage on first serves, not a single match. Did he win? Uh, or, or excuse me in, uh, I guess there was one match where he won less than 60% of his first serve points but just you look at some of mm-hmm. his numbers and the performances he puts together, he's routinely, you know, in more than half of them, he's over 70% win percentage on the first serve. And in more than half of his matches as well, he's making more than 60% of his first serves. You just start to see the recipe for Lorenzo Musetti where he's going to have success. And you sort of talked about it. His, you know, the plus one uh, Tennessee played against Stan Wawrinka in Rome and the follow-up he played against Kane Corey as well he took it to them like he yes. the ball was on his racket and to see any 18 year old do that to uh, someone even Katie Shikori was coming back from coronavirus so obviously grain of salt but to see him do that to Stan Wawrinka was stunning absolutely and he also even in his loss to Tiafo he really played well the net, you know, because they had a rematch a couple of weeks later. So even in that loss, you know, like you said, Tiafoe was playing top seventy-five tennis. So that was incredibly well, incredibly good match for him too, and good experience. And, yeah, and I'm, you know, so I'm just saying, you look at the the players he beat down the home stretch. Some of the names, as you mentioned, he beat Hanifman, who was so good on the clay. He mm-hmm. beat Montiero, who's so good on the clay. He beats Stan. He beats Kay. Uh, it just he beats Alexi Popperin, which is not an easy thing to do when Popperin's just firing these serves at your one handed backhand, and like he was just fine. And what you love uh, as well for Lorenzo Musetti, you know, he lost to Yannick Hanifman in August. He then beats him later on in the year. It's just the little steps of growth. He gets better and better uh, in each and every match. Or excuse me, he beats Alexi Popperin on the clay. Uh, I, I think I said he lost. That was a misspoke for me. But he beats him. After, and it's just, it's really, really impressive for him, an 18-year-old. Yeah, and to have that and to be able to shift your mindset to be so aggressive and to be able to realize that just putting topspin on balls isn't good enough anymore. You know, when you get up to the higher levels, that is... It was who I don't I can't remember who his coach is. Uh, let me see. Um, but whoever it is did a, has done a great job. Um, so Simone Tur- 
Tartarini has done a great job with him. Um, because when I first saw him, I was kind of like, wow, he's kind of put too much top spin. I don't feel a little too defensive. Um, but he's done a great, as I keep saying, he's done a great job changing his mindset. Yeah, and I mean, again, it's that he followed up all of these results with more and more success. You think, okay, round of 16 in Rome, is he going to rest on his laurels? No. He goes and plays a challenger the very next week, and he wins it. And, you know, he Mm -hmm. he then continues to play throughout the year. He goes to Sardinia. Uh, He wins a couple of main draw matches, ends up making the semifinals there uh, before just sort of running out of steam against Laszlo Jure. But, yeah, he... You know, one and two in his last three matches. Again, you can throw those out the window because he goes 31 and 16 uh, during this 2020 season. That is unequivocally a step forward. He's now put himself in a position rankings wise where he's going to get into any challenger. He doesn't have to worry about those wild cards now, but more likely than not, the wild cards will come for an event like Rome or. You know, mm-hmm. any uh, any of the clay court, any of the events, I suppose, hosted in Italy at the ATP level. Plus, he's now going to be competitive to where he'll get into some 250s on his ranking. Some he'll have to play through qualifying, but he'll get into that qualifying. He's just put himself in a really good position. He's going to have to win some tough matches, some qualifying matches, certainly. But it, career trajectory-wise, he's exactly where you want to be as an 18-year-old, where you don't have to, you know, you're getting into any challenger you want to play and you can really start to laser in on okay where are the opportunities for me to get more ATP level matches yeah and he did a great job you know before he even played one ring 10 room he had to qualify and he had to beat some tough players Apata Morales, uh, Myers, Zepieri and I also just want to say that beating Montero in that challenger final is not easy Montero, I like to call him a clay court challenger superstar. He is the cream of the crop for challengers on clay. And, and, Montero, and Montero took him to two tie breaks, but Musetti uh, was just clutch. No, you know things are going well when you are on the cover of magazines, right? And we saw Lorenzo Musetti make his cover. I want to say he was on Esquire Italy. I believe that's where it was where he was on the cover. And look, I mean, he earned it down the home stretch with the results he put forward. And, you know, I continue to look for the stats for Lorenzo Musetti. What is the company he joined uh, by winning this challenger title? But, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, to handle the power of someone like uh, a Diego Montiero and to do it, I don't want to say with ease, but to look comfortable doing it, to look in control. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. the guy has played uh, some outstanding tennis this year. And I guess, you know, now we can sort of talk even more in depth about his game, about the things he does well, because we talked about this with a little a little bit with Alejandro Davidovich Fokina. I think this kind of has to apply to any young player who wants to have success. There has to be a little bit of hubris. You have to be confident in your skill set. But for Lorenzo Musetti, it doesn't matter who he's playing. You love the fact that he just tries to execute his game out there, that he's looking to take mm-hmm. the forehand on the rise heavy top spin move you around with it he'll be comfortable taking that backhand on a short hop down the line now there are things he needs to work on but that's where it starts with me and his skill set it's the fact that he's just so comfortable playing aggressive and playing you know playing on his terms this early in his career yeah so I watched a lot of tennis during the hiatus obviously <laughs> and I love it um but uh I watched uh, Musetti play Bonadio in some Italian exhibition, and I was just so impressed with Musetti's aggressive game, and it was a foreshadowing how he really was going to play throughout the rest of the season and beyond, uh, hopefully. And, you know, Bonadio, even in that exhibition, it was he's a, he played really well. Um, and so it was not an easy match, and... It was a match that I, I, I think Fanatio won, but it was a great sign for Musetti for the future. Um, just because his backhand was so aggressive, his forehand was so aggressive, and he was less, he was trying to hit with depth. The depth on his shots has really improved. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed That's- that too? I was about to say, I think as he grows into his body more and more, yes, I, I completely agree with you. It's just, 
it's impossible to not be impressed by him. And of course, he was what, like the fifth youngest, I think, Italian champion in challenger history, the third youngest person, but Sinner won three challenger titles uh, all at younger ages than Lorenzo Musetti. And by the way, that's a piece of this conversation we have not yet discussed, just the plethora of young Italian talent right now. I like to think that they're all actually in the mold of my guy, Gianluigi Quincy, that they all saw his success at Junior Wimbledon, and they were like, oh, we can do that too. But of course, uh, this generation of young Italian talent, I they all continue to push one another. And look, for Lorenzo Musetti, obviously, uh, he wins that title, and he won uh, four straight top 100 matches to win that ATP Challenger title. That's the other piece of this. The fact that a Challenger title in 2020, uh, with all due respect to all previous Challenger champions, but it did feel a little bit more valuable because I don't think we've ever seen the average ranking of a person in these Challenger draws in 2020 as high as it was this season. You know, we had guys consistently guys inside the top 100 playing the challengers because it just made mm-hmm. more sense traveling wise or Marinka. that was their only op- yeah exactly or even Tiafo or just any of these guys where it just made more sense to stay put in one country obviously mm-hmm. for travel restrictions and etc various different reasons um and so i i agree with you i mean you know, for me, the thing that jumps out, it's probably the serve and the forehand right now mm-hmm. because it's just the staple of I can see him holding serve consistently. I can see that yeah, plus he, one tennis, his willingness to go up the line, his willingness to even move forward a little bit. Uh, it, it's just it's it's top 100 ready. Yeah, and for me, I mean, I've, I've talked about it. I love it, just the aesthetics of his backhand. So for me, that's my favorite shot just because <laughs> it's such a technically, at least for my eye, a very technically sound shot. And, yeah, you mentioned holding serve. He really, you know, he, he's not the biggest guy in the world at six one, but he's a really effective at uh, holding serve, and he does the out-wide serve on the deuce side really well, too, um, at a high level. And... You know, even Wawrinka and Nishikori weren't, you know, getting into, you know, every one of his service games. And he was able to perform at a high level, you know, against top competition. Mm-hmm. No, I, I absolutely agree. I mean, the the serve, the forehand, the aggressiveness, it's just the mindset you want from someone with his game style. Now, you write about this in your profile, and I, I think this manifested itself in particular in the Stan and uh, Kei Nishikori matches, his willingness to flatten out the ball, to play mm-hmm. a little bit more drive. I do think that led to some spraying. I mean, I do think it can lead to some spraying. Like, down the home stretch, those last two matches uh, that Musetti lost, and yeah, he had dead legs, and, you know, one of those losses, I believe, or uh, both of those losses, I think, were, or one of them, yeah, was a straight-set loss, but they were both, both to, to Roberto Marcora. Yeah, which, you know, not, and he's switching after playing two months of clay court tennis back to the hard courts with very little time to transition. But yeah. at the same time... I don't know. Some it does get a little bit slap happy at times. Sometimes mm-hmm. the ball sits up a little bit when he does shank the ball a little bit, and you know that backhand is still attackable, uh, particularly on serve. I don't know. What are the things you think he needs to improve on? What are the things you're concerned about moving forward? Yeah. So I watched the the Parma match with Mercora. That was a fast court, and I don't think I don't I, I don't think that Musetti's ready for such a fast for those fast fast courts yet. I think he will be, but you're right. He's not totally ready to flatten the ball out when when the ball's not yet. Because on clay, it's a little slower, so the ball will sit up more. And so that's when he's able to have the time to really crack it. But on like a fast court like on Parma, I don't think he wasn't ready for that yet. Um, I think that he also occasionally, you know, I think he's done a great job of becoming more aggressive. But at times, I did notice that he's still standing behind the baseline and just trying to track balls down. But again, as he grows into his body more, I think we talked about this with Davidovich too, when he grows into his body more and and really becomes more comfortable at the highest level of tennis, I don't think – I think he's going to become more comfortable be standing right on the baseline um, against the against the, anyone. Um, and then I think that um, his serve is good, but it's – I think it can become even better. Um mm-hmm. I think that, again, as he becomes bigger and stronger, he will beef up that serve a little bit. 
Yeah. This is where, you know, when we talk about things to improve on, it's so different from player to player. It really is so dependent on your skill set because you look at a guy like Alejandro Davidovich Fokina, who we talked about in our first episode, his floor as a player is pretty set. Like, he is going to mm-hmm. be a top 100 guy for a long time because he can just do so many different things physically and then with his games, the variety he can play with, defense, offense. He's comfortable moving forward. Not a great volleyer yet, but can move forward. You know, not going to overwhelm you with power, but he's got good power. The point is he can do a lot of things. So for him, it's just a general cleaning up of the skill set, maximizing his strengths. For Lorenzo Musetti, it's a much more interesting task moving forward because there is, again, the conversation we've had with so many players from James Blake to Justin Gimmel, uh, to, excuse me, Jean-Michael Gamble, uh, to so many others who, you know, we ask them, and Michael Russell, who's currently coaching, how much time do you spend maximizing your strength versus minimizing versus minimizing your weaknesses? And for Lorenzo Musetti, you look at the strength, we've talked about it, the serve and the forehand. And look, he played 29 really high-level matches mm-hmm. down the home stretch of this season since August. In only seven of those matches did he win fewer than 50% of his second serve points. Mm-hmm. That's really good for yeah. an 18-year-old. And so the serve, the forehand, that's the staple moving forward. Now, the defensive skills, I don't love. I don't love them right now. I think if you can get him to the outer thirds, I think mm-hmm. if you make the match unscripted, that's where he starts mm-hmm. to struggle a little more. When he can get into his plays, he's really, really good. And look, Francis Tiafo is going to make a match as unscripted as possible. They played twice down this home stretch. You know, they're one and one against one another. Mm-hmm. Both of them three set battles. You know, Musetti equated himself just fine, but there are going to be guys who throw even higher levels of junk at you or who just take you out of your strike zone, like a Daniil Medvedev versus Lorenzo Musetti. And I know Musetti, uh, obviously, a five years younger right now, but even projecting five years from now, I just like the way Medvedev could break him down, could get Mm -hmm. him out of his strike zone. And so I do worry about Musetti in the outer thirds. I do worry when things become improvisation, as they so Mm -hmm. often do during a tennis point, what, I mean, what do you think about his creativity? Things like his touch, his feel, because again, he's probably one of the guys I've watched less of in this streak. I just, you know, I, I feel like this is a stupid thing I do, but when everyone's talking about someone, I don't want to talk about them. I'm like, all right, let me find <laughs> the, the other way. guy to talk. Yeah. But then, yeah, inevitably you sneak into it and just watching Lorenzo Musetti, I was like, wait, why am I denying myself this joy? Uh, because there is a lot of joy in his game at the same time. Again, it it's very structured, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I you know I actually like I like his backhand slice. I think he does a great job mm-hmm. of keeping it low, but I do think he can fall into that trap of trying to. I I, I think that like a guy like Rodionov um, is a much better at the cat and mouse type points compared to Musetti. Um, so I agree with you there. Um, where and I think, but I think that like for instance, Musetti is a little more power than Rodina, which uh, makes up for it a little bit. But um, yeah, I think that definitely he needs to not be in the defensive positions in the points, um, He, which is something that I think he's working on and that he can continue to work on because you're right, he's fast, but he's so much better when he's just ripping topspin forehands and backhands uh, on the baseline using angles using the angles that like for instance his top spin backhand one-handed backhand can produce um so i agree with you there yeah i you know it's funny when you talk about his movement where do you see him in terms of his athleticism because we talked about the stocky build he's i don't know he's like 6'1 165 he's pretty lean right now but it's pretty clear he's trying to fill out that frame and you can tell it's going to be a more power i I don't want to say a stan wawrinka frame because i I think he's a little bit lengthier than that but it's not again the wiriness of a zverev or a medvedev what do you think of him i think he's got plus explosion certainly his ability Mm -hmm. to hit through the ball he's got all the shoulder talent but what do you think of him as a mover i would say a little above average but i would say someone like davidovich is a better mover someone i mean he's not even in the same league as alex diminar someone like that um so i don't i think it's a you know I, i don't think it's necessarily a huge strength but it's definitely not a weakness either in my eyes i don't know what you think um what do you think 
it's tough, right? Because it, it, it has to do with the improvisation. I think he's really good at beating people to the spot, right? I think he takes the ball on the rise well. I think his footwork moving forward, again, his ability to time those down the lines, it looks clean. It's His footwork I have no complaints with. In terms of his top speed, I don't know. See, I also thought Tsitsipas was not the greatest athlete, and then he turned into a really, really good athlete. And he just like his power, his movement, he's just a powerful guy. I think that's the model for Lorenzo Musetti. He's never going to be a Demon Hour. He's never going to be a Davidovich Fokina. But, you know, Tsitsipas has plenty of movement and defensive skills. He gets to that ball, that, uh, you know, that passing shot, and he can dip it at your feet, play the second pass, just a nice, easy drive. I think that's the Musetti combination that we're going to see most from him, dipping that first passing shot low, mm-hmm. then hitting that second passing shot for a winner. I think he's that sort of athlete, not the on-the-run, beat-you-to-the-spot first yeah. passing shot winner. Uh, but I, I don't think he's a negative athlete yeah and you know Sitsi Pass um, is 6'4 and 196 pounds versus 6'1 and 165 pounds for Musetti so Sitsi Pass definitely has a little more the, the weight and height advantage and or disadvantage whatever in terms of weight I don't know exactly you know it depends I guess on your style but I think that I, I can I can I agree with you I you know I now that you're saying that I do see some some similarities between Pass and Musetti that I didn't think about before um, when I'm thinking about my player comparison. Um, yeah, it's just because they're both, they're both so young, right? It's like I don't want to just immediately be like, oh, he, the pathway for him is Pass, And I think Pass, I mean, Pass has just done so many incredible things already in his young career to hold anyone to that standard is just asking a lot. Um, but look, in terms of the, just to, to finish up the concerns I have, you look at some of the numbers he has put forward. I mean, on, I think, only 11 different occasions. So he, again, 29 matches down the home stretch in August. In only 11 of those matches did he win higher than 40% of his first serve returning points. Now, 40% is, you know, if you're an opponent, if you're a player, you want to win over 60% of your first serve points. But if you're an opponent, you want to hold them, obviously, mm-hmm. to under that number. He was only able to do it 11 times. He was only over 50% on three occasions. And, you know, there are some ugly numbers, some 11%, some 17%, some under 25% that are just not great. Especially you also look on at him. Clay. If it if yeah, those are ex- on clay, that's not great exactly. At all. When you have a little bit more time, exactly. And then on the second serve returns, you look for him only thirteen or on thirteen different occasions. So thirteen of the twenty nine, a little bit less than fifty percent. But he was under fifty percent on second serve returns as well, and that's just. That's just not acceptable, right? It's not not acceptable. It's just if he wants to be top 20, top Mm -hmm. 10, that number's got to be hovering near or at 50% pretty much the entire time. And again, he did a really good job on second serve returns. I'm not trying to say he was bad. He put up some really nice numbers, but, you know, that the, the... degree of difficulty on the second serves he's going to be facing are only going to get higher and higher and the first serve percentages of the opponents he's facing are only going to get higher and higher as well and I do think the return he probably needs to work on as much as he does maximizing his serve yeah and like like you said in terms of like these higher level players like isn't there like if you're winning those that those type of return you know if you're winning 11 percent, i think you mentioned against isner on grass that's pretty that's fine but against you know whoever on clay you know in a in a clay court challenger or in the 250 it has to be higher than that yeah uh, i i complete no i i completely agree with you as well um yeah it's just He's good. He's in only one match that he played in the home stretch of August, or excuse me, in only two matches did he not convert a single break chance. Now, one of those was the Roberto Marcora match. The other was the Dominic Cope for round of sixteen match, and of course, he Cope was, was kind playing of so well there. Yes, yeah, so, so well. We said and, he was kind of physically gassed, worn down yeah. by that point. Agree. Also worth noting, Musetti did have five break chances in that match against Marcora. That was the only time he didn't have a single uh, break chance. But yeah, look, 
Musetti can play. I mean, there's no. We wouldn't be talking about him if we didn't think he was one of the premier next gen talents. And you start to look at him amongst his peer group as of right now. You look at all of the players ranked under the age of 21. Uh, currently, Lorenzo Musetti 14, or under the age of 22. Excuse me. Currently, Lorenzo Musetti number 14 in that group. Now you start to look at all the players under the age of 19, which is probably a more apt comparison. Yeah, for Lorenzo Musetti again. Of this grouping, you have Carlos Al- or, you know, Musetti's number one at number 128. Then you have Alcaraz, number two at 140. Then a big drop, and you have guys like Jack Draper, 303, uh, Julio Zeppieri, 323, Holger Rune, number 511. Of course, Machizuki, mm-hmm. the Spider Man, other guys, if you start to look a little bit younger. If you want to look one year older than that, the only other players you would throw into that grouping are the Sin Man, uh, Yannick Sinner, Brandon Nakashima, who who's number 166, a little bit lower than Musetti, but certainly on a similar trajectory. And then Jason Sung, uh, the former world junior, I want to say number one, who's number 280 in the world. Where do you see Musetti? Because Davidovich Fokina, 21 years old, I suppose he definitely is part of that Shapovalov FAA uh quartet of people, demon hour people, but uh, amongst his peers, you know, for Lorenzo Musetti, where do you see him right now? Yeah, Davidovich is definitely a higher, higher level. Mm -hmm. Um, In terms of his peers, definitely behind center. Um, Center is just, I mean, his end of 2020 has just been incredible and just a totally different stratosphere. In terms of someone like someone like Alcaraz versus Musetti is very interesting. In my mind, as you were saying that, I was trying to like rank them. I I see the, both of them about equal. Um, I don't yeah I don't know who's going to pan out better. I would guess maybe Alcaraz, but I just because I think he has a little more versatility. But um, and me, but I it's, again they're both so young. Um, I like Musetti more than a guy like. Nakashima and I, and I I think the world of Nakashima yeah I'm so happy he won the title over Gunnis Warren in in Orlando but um I think that Musetti's going to be a little better what do you think it, it, hmm it's tough because I think Brandon Nakashima probably is closer to that Davidovich Fokina model, right? Where he can do a lot of things really well and I just see his floor as a player being so high. I mean, yeah, the Sin Man's in another group. The Sin Man, if he isn't a top 10 player, it will be more surprising to me at this point than if he is. Um, I think by I next season, potentially. Yeah, it's possible. It just depends how many tournaments we have, right? That's yeah. the biggest question for all of these things uh, heading into the next year. But, I mean, I- I'm just... I'm not sold yet because as much as I like the firepower, as much as I like the pop... I just see there being physical struggles as he gets into as he gets closer to the top fifty. I just don't I don't know if his movement is quite there yet. I think it might take an extra year or two than it does some of these other young guys who are just so ready to, you know, right away get into the top one hundred and thrive from there. At the same time, I mean with the serve, with the forehand, I think he's a top thirty guy for a really long time. I think all of the skills are there. Clearly the confidence is there, the pedigree is there, the hair is beautiful. Um <laughs> he, it, it, he, it's gonna it, go also ahead. come down to can he reproduce those hardcore results that he had in exactly. juniors in the pros. Um and how how is he able I mean grass is no offense, grass is not super important, you know, yeah. in terms of the schedule. But it's I not would offensive. Love... That's just true. So, like, I I don't think he'll do great on grass, but I don't think it'll matter that much that he's not going to mm-hmm. do well on grass. Um, Nakashima, I think, for instance, has a better chance of succeeding on grass. Um, what do you think? I see. But with his serve and forehand, I know he hits a heavy ball, but I like the way he moves forward. I like the game style. For I don't, it's tough to say. It really see this is the problem with doing someone as young as Musetti, who at 18 years old. Look, he was phenomenal down the home stretch of 2020, but I still need to see more. Like I just, I need more matches. I need a higher sample size. He's played 60 challenger matches, and that's a lot for an 18 year old. But that's not a terribly high amount of matches. And I mean, again, the success he had in Rome, that was really the first big ATP opportunity for him. And he happened to make the most of it. 
I don't know. You know, Pass was a guy we just mentioned as someone who the game feels kind of similar to. Of course, Pass was so good at the start of, or at the end of 2018, made that run at the Rogers Cup. Then we saw him win the next-gen finals, make the semifinals of the 2019 Australian Open. I don't think Musetti is ready for that degree of jump yet. Of course, he's still got a couple of years until he would be 20 years old, mm-hmm. which was the age Pass was when he did that. But do I see Musetti putting himself in a position to make that sort of jump at the end of 2021, start of 2022. I don't know if I do just yet. I still need to see a little bit more from the backhand. But overall, I am very, very excited. I, I think Pass is the name I'm going to have to turn to for a pro comp. I think that's the game style that the best version of Lorenzo Musetti looks like. Yeah, now that you say that, I agree. I think I'm, in general, a little higher on Musetti than you are, which is totally yeah. good. Um I, I when I was looking for pro comp, I thought of Pablo Cuevas, um, yeah, one hander on the backhand side. How, uh, so how can you say? Uh, sorry, sorry. I, my comparison is Stefano Tsitsipas. This is just your comparison is Pablo Cuevas. Yet you're right. You are definitely higher on him. Shoot higher, David. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, you know Cuevas. I don't know. I just when I watch them play, um, they have the same mentality. I feel like when they're trying to get on top of the points, I love how they both, I love how most Musetti and Cuevas use angles. Um, and I think they both have a certain, now I was talking about flair with Davidovich. Musetti and Cuevas both have a flair on the court too, um, that you don't always see among players. Um, and maybe Musetti for me, that's just because I am such a big fan of his backhand. And, but for me, they both have a flair, um, but now that you mentioned Sitsipas, I'm like, oh, man, that would have been a better comparison just in terms of how high they can go. And, and Sitsipas, you're right, is, a, is definitely the model for – Yeah, Musetti. I mean Sitsipas is what you want to call someone when you're not willing to call them the next Roger Federer because, look, you – when you look at the one-handed backhands, because obviously those are the natural comparisons you want to make right now for uh, for Lorenzo Musetti, to compare anyone to Roger Federer is disingenuous. It's yeah. not Dominic Team because Dominic Team hacks away from you at the baseline, and there's just a power element to Dominic Team that I just don't think Lorenzo Musetti quite has. I think there's a little bit more Definitely polish, not. a little bit more taking up time and space away, but he's not seven feet behind the baseline just slugging away the way Team does. I also don't think, you know, it's it's not the athleticism, the fluidity of a Grigor Dimitrov who just glides around the court. I don't see that for Musetti right now, although, again, Me I reserve neither. the right to watch a little bit more. And then it's just not as flat as a Stan Wawrinka. It's just not. Like, there's a little bit more action. I don't hate the Stan comparison, but it's it's just not exactly that. It's not Dan Evans. I don't Dan see Evans. Stan in him, to be honest. Yeah, and and it's not Dan Evans, so it's it's a little bit of all of it. It's a little bit of all of that entire combination, and yet I don't know. I mean, Shapovalov's another Shapovalov. I just I actually don't hate the Shapovalov comparison either. I think Shapovalov moves a little bit better and is probably even a, a ten uh, like a percentage more explosive. Yes, but that's what I was about it, to say. Yeah, yeah. It, but it's not it's not a horrible. I mean, I like Lorenzo Musetti's game. Is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I like it too. Um, I definitely don't think, you know, Shapovalov just has, I think, a little more power than a guy like Musetti right now. But again, he's only 18. I mean, it's crazy how young these guys are. Alcaraz, you know, we think, we talk about, you know, guys like Musetti and Alcaraz as if they're veterans already. And yet they're only, you know, they're so young. Um, I remember when I was 18 years old, it's just amazing to think about, you know, that these guys are playing professional tennis, you know, at mm-hmm. uh, what's Alcaraz now? 16, 17, uh, something like uh, that. I've, Alcaraz 17. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just amazing. They're able to do so much at such a young age. Um, but I, I, I think that definitely not, you mentioned Dan Evans. I think, you know, yes, Musetti is a good backhand slice, but it's not on Evans level yet. Not even close. Um, and I don't think that Evans would be a great model for Musetti to work for towards, to be honest. Oh, I mean, maybe not some of the off-court habits, but <laughs> I I do love the 
the variety Evans plays with. I think when you can introduce that element of the uncertainty, that's just always a good thing to be able to throw at your opponent the junk and just get them out of their rhythm. And like the way Dan Evans baits opponents that's into true. going down the line and to hit his on the run forehand. His on the run forehand is one of the best on the run shots. It's similar with Grigor Dimitrov. He just wants to bait you into attacking sooner than you're ready point. to. And I would love to see Musetti develop. I like because I agree with you. I think he. He's got the hands, and I think he's got a good slice, but it just feels a little bit robotic. Yeah, I think his volleying is actually pretty good too, from what I you know, agree. What I've seen, and but I agree that if we can, if he can incorporate kind of that cat and mouse element that Evans has, it'll go a mm-hmm. long way to improving his game. Yeah, completely agree with you. Well, then, with that in mind, my final question for you: uh, Where do you see Lorenzo Musetti ending up, not only over the course of the next season, but over these next ten years? Oh man! Oh god! Okay. Three grand not, slams? Four? No, I'm just kidding. Um, I would say for next season, if he can get into the top seventy-five, that would be a huge success. No, not a huge success, but that would be a solid season. Um, huge success no, would be I, top I, fifty. I I think huge success is right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You know, yeah, huge success would be top fifty. Um, in terms of where I think he can go, we're kind of. Going back and forth at Davidovich with this question a little bit, I would say for Musetti, if he's, I think he can be seated at Slams top twenty-five. What do you, what are you thinking? See, I think the upside for Lorenzo Musetti might actually be higher than Davidovich Fokina because the best version of a big serve, a big forehand, an aggressive style, we know what that looks like. We know where that can take you. You can just hit opponents off the court. When when the ball is on your racket, you can be as good as your skill set allows you to be. And I just I, I, I just am unsure right now of how much more uh, Musetti develops physically. I mean, he's 18 years old and he's already 6'1". Is there another inch or two left in him? I think that could that would make be a huge. huge difference. Yeah. Yeah, is there? And obviously he'll continue to get quicker. You know, when, when footwork and speed is the one thing, it's the thing you want to improve on most, I always say that's the best place to be as a tennis player. Like for Taylor Fritz, he will be as good of a tennis player as he is an athlete. The better he is as an athlete, the closer he will be to reaching top 10, top five in the world because the tennis stuff is all there. Yeah, absolutely. Musetti, backhand return aside, a lot of the tennis stuff is all there. And so... And I like his I, tennis I'm, mind too. He is a, he, yeah. he think, he's a thinker out there, I think. Yeah, for sure. For now, I would say top 25. That's, yeah. Top, tw- top 20. Um, but I'm not ready to put him in the top 10 category of player yet. Me neither. Um, which is I the think way I would, by the way. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm probably a sh- Yeah. Yeah. I would say, but I would say they're in a similar tier. I would say Musetti is in that same Hatchinov zone where it's like plus or minus a little bit. Yeah. Um, I think that Davidovich has just a little more versatility, versatility mm-hmm. in his game and, and he can play. I think I, I trust him more on grass too. So maybe he can pick up some more points on grass compared to like a Musetti. But like we were saying, that's not super important. Yeah, I, I think 90s, 2000s, you know, maybe even early 2010s tennis was about maximizing strength. I think so much about late 2010s and 2020s tennis will be about minimizing weaknesses. And I, I just think Davidovich Fokina has fewer weaknesses, glaring weaknesses. I Again, I, I think Musetti's got the higher upside, but... It'll just be interesting to see, again, what these next three to five years of development look like for Musetti, both physically and then, of course, with his game as well. I'm sure there'll probably be some freezing cold takes in this podcast. Yeah, he either ends up outside the top 200 or he ends up inside the top 50 at the end of next year, certainly at this point. But hey... That's the half the fun of this next-gen ATP 2.0 series. So, of course, again, uh, when all of these uh, – when all of uh, – excuse me, for all of these profiles, for all of these shows, uh, all of these shows, be sure to go check out the corresponding article on our website, CrackedRackets.com. As David and I have mentioned thus far, we've talked about Alejandro Davidovich Okina and Lorenzo Musetti. Uh, but, of course, we've got plenty more fun names to come. Uh, and, of course, David, I know you have – plenty more fun content as well which our writer or which everyone can find on our website crackedrackets.com but where else can they find your work follow what you're talking about yeah so i'm at tennis blogger one on twitter and then i'm also i write have my own blog 
all about tennis blog and I write for last word on tennis also. Um, so you can find my content there. Yeah, Thank you for course. having me. Yeah. Uh, David, it is always a pleasure. I am sure we will talk to you again soon. Sounds good. Thank you. Hope all of you enjoyed my conversation with David Gertler breaking down our latest next-gen 2.0 prospect, Lorenzo Musetti. I mean, Lorenzo is one of so many uh, of the young, talented, uh, promising talents on the men's tour. Uh, so, of course, we look forward to seeing his success in 2021. Again, to read more about Lorenzo Musetti, go check out our, our, our article about him on our website, CrackRackets.com. David and I offering a bit more uh, on the young Musetti's game. Uh, of course, last week, we talked about the first of our next-gen 2.0 prospects, Alejandro Davidovich Fokina. If you missed that, you can go find that on our website as well. And of course, there's other stuff going on right now in the tennis world. Yeah, it's sort of off-season time, but all of us wondering, when is the 2021 season going to start? Where is it going to start? What is it going to look like? We've talked about all of those things on our mini break podcast and great shot podcasts of late, of course, on our Cracked Interviews podcast. We've had so many great college tennis coaches, coaches from Georgia, Michigan, Stanford, Florida, TCU, Texas A&M so far have a lot of other fun ones planned in the queue as well. Of course, if you missed anything from the ITA kickoff weekend, be sure to go check out the Great Shot podcast. You can also find our recap of the draft on the mini break feed and all of that available on the website, CrackedRackets.com. Of course, if you need the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We are at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly, I am at Great Shot Pod. Shout out, as always, to our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff, for the of an editing job they do day in, day out. Shout out, of course, as well to our friends at Midwest Sports and Aerobar. Go to MidwestSports.com. Use that promo code CR15. Go to Aerobar.com. Use that promo code Cracked30. Get yourself a couple of holiday gifts for your tennis-loving friends, family, or whoever you are spending the holidays with. But with that in mind, for my wonderful co-host, David Gertler, our super producers, Fligner and Westoff, our friends at Midwest Sports and Aerobar, and all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast. Network. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say, folks. That's the break, and we will see you all next time. Thanks, everyone.